Hey gorgeous, welcome back to the show. I am so glad you guys are here today and I'm calling y'all gorgeous babes because today we're talking about body image and if you didn't hear me say that word gorgeous and automatically assume I was talking about you, if you like felt some resistance like ooh that's not me, I'm so glad you're here (laughs) because I want every single one of you to be in this scenario and it to play out this way. Picture this, you're in the grocery store and from across the aisle you hear someone yell hey gorgeous and you automatically turn your head, flip your hair if you have long hair, (laughs) and look because you assume they are talking about you. This is positive body image. And I think every single woman out there, you deserve to feel this way because body image is about how we feel about ourselves, how we perceive our appearance to be interpreted by others. And that right there is confidence. What steals that from us is not how we look. It is not how we appear because we are living in a day and age where beauty is, it's starting to be so broadly defined, which I'm really, really grateful for. But if we're going to live in that, we're going to preach it to others. We've got to live it ourselves. So we need to find beauty in ourselves, be comfortable in our own skin and let go of any of these body bullying thoughts that we may have. And this topic is so important to me because I remember gosh, countless times being in these positions where I didn't want to go out because no matter what I put on, I just, I felt like I looked terrible. Like I would hyper fixate on one specific part of my body or multiple parts of my body. I'll never forget one night in college, I was getting ready to go out and I was doing my thing. I changed like probably 700 times (laughs) and my roommate just looked at me and was like, Jess, what's your deal? Like, what's wrong? Everything's looked fine. What's going on? Let's go. Hurry it up. And I was like, gosh, I just look so fat in everything I put on. I just can't stand it. Like, look at my stomach. It just sticks out. I pointed out my perceived flaw to her and she just looked at me and kind of laughed. She's like, what are you talking about? Your body's just shaped that way. You're not fat. Put on a shirt. Let's go. Nobody really cares. And I was just kind of like so torn because I was like, how does she not notice this part about me that that's all I can see. I put on this shirt and all I can see is the way my stomach protrudes through, you know, these pants, these jeans, these leggings, whatever I have on. I don't know how to hide it because if I don't hide it, I can't go out tonight and be comfortable. That followed me through several years and it would show up professionally, like going for job interviews. I'd obsess more about how I looked and how I was going to be perceived as opposed to like what I brought to the table, my personality and my knowledge. I have worked through these body bullying thoughts and my demons and found myself in this very cool place of what I call body neutrality. It's where I, sure, I'm like any other typical female where I enjoy taking care of myself. I like getting dressed up. I like feeling beautiful, especially when my husband takes me out on a date, which we don't get to do very often. But when we do, I want to look beautiful and I want to feel it. You know, I want him to look at me and go, gosh, you look gorgeous. But getting there and allowing myself to actually feel that way, it was a journey and it was a process. And now I see it so often in the women I work with. And it is so incredibly frustrating because I know these women so well. I mean, I sit with them in my office or I look at them on my computer now because that's what I'm doing most of the time. But I have these like really deep, intimate conversations with women about how they feel about their body, their history and their relationship with their body, people who have treated their body poorly, the things they've done to their body to mistreat it. And there's such raw conversation about this relationship with their body. And I get some insight on just how incredible these women are. I mean, when you get to talk to someone so with such raw conversation and in such vulnerable settings, you see someone's true humanity, which is so cool because never once have I seen someone's 
real human side, like their raw, vulnerable side, and not loved the human they are. And it's a bummer because they tend to hide that from the world when they suffer from poor body image or they have body dysmorphia. So for example, there was this one woman I worked with for several years, just an incredible human. I mean, she was from a big family. She took care of a lot of her family. She took care of sisters. She took care of nieces, nephews. She played a really dominant role in a lot of the lives within her family. On top of that, she was like a superstar manager at her company. She was really independent. She bought her own house. I mean, just all the things, just incredible woman. She came to me and she said, I want to lose weight because I want to inspire more women. And I said, okay, how does, well, first of all, like, how does losing weight help you inspire more women? And she's like, well, I'm just thinking because I really want to get into public speaking. And she had a certain platform that she wanted to communicate, but she's like, I can't do that at this weight. And again, I asked, why can't you do that at this weight? And she's like, well, I just don't think people will listen to me. And as we dove in deeper, it turned out it was really her body image distortion or her body dysmorphia that made her feel like she was inadequate to inspire other women just because of her physique. Like that was crazy to me. I wanted to like shake her. And I was like, you're so freaking awesome. Like just go do it now. I mean, you can keep eating healthy and exercising, see what happens, but go do the thing now. Inspire women now. Women need to hear what you have to say now in the body you're in. You don't need to lose weight to do that. But she didn't see that. She was so stuck in her body dysmorphia that she was so hyper fixated on her perceived flaws, she was paralyzed. This is such a bummer. And I know it's a place so many women hang out. I hung out there for years. I see it in my clients day in and day out. And it's something today I wanna unpack and give you guys some quick tools to start moving away from body dysmorphia and poor body image. Now, if you're someone that when I said, hey, gorgeous, and you were like, yes, Jess, I'm here. <laughs> I love it. I am so glad you feel that way. I'm glad you're here, but I still think today's topic is important for you because you're going to get some tactical tools on how to help the women around you. If you are one of those rare, amazing gems that doesn't struggle with body image, I love you for it, but we need your help. There are so many women out there that do not know how to do this or haven't figured out how to overcome some of the body bullying thoughts that just invade and perseverate in their minds. They need help. So whether you're here today because you need it directly or you're here because your daughter, your niece, your sister, your mom, like whoever it is, I've got some tactical tools that we're going to be unpacking for you guys today. And yeah, I just want all of us to hear the word gorgeous and go, hmm, yes, what can I do for you? And then if they weren't talking to us, it's like, oh, well, glad you noticed because <laughs> we are all gorgeous in one way or another. I'm super excited to dive into this one with you girls today. Hello, ladies out there. My name is Jacqueline Castro, and I am a former slave to food. Food was a big part of my life for nearly a decade. I also used to be a fitness instructor and through all the classes I was responsible for, I got the body I always wanted because I spent pretty much every day of the week in the gym and even worked out up to nine times a week. And as the seasons changed in my life, I started to put on weight. Eventually, I started to hate the way that I looked in the mirror. I used to cover up the mirrors in my rooms and, and I really hated the way that I felt in clothes. I was holding on trying to fit back into the clothes that I had when I was a fitness instructor. Thankfully, through that dark and lonely journey, I realized that I needed help. I think that's really the first step is to admit that you need help and you can't do it alone. 
And so I prayed and God directed me to Jessica. And I am declaring that Jess is one of the best investments, hands down, that I've ever made in my life. Working with Jess has impacted me not only physically, but also emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Her coaching has also trickled into how I teach my son, who is a teenager, he's 14 years old, in how I teach him about food, as well as all the women that I work with in my business as a spiritual fitness coach. And I'm so grateful for her prayers for me to pursue a healthy relationship with food and to censor my choices based on my values. Knowing she has years of experience under her belt speaking with other women, who also have body image issues. And I can say that her compassion and her understanding, those two are a bonus. I love how she met me exactly where I was and she never once judged or criticized me. All she did was hold my hand and she made sure that I felt safe through her one-on-one guidance. I know of other coaches that speak with sort of a drill sergeant approach and that doesn't really encourage many people, but instead it hurts you, right? And it can make you feel even worse about yourself. But not with Jess. She has so much love in her and for that I am blessed. And it's super cool because today I know that food is not the enemy. Today I can skip a workout or eat a burger with the bun and mayo and cheese and not beat myself up for it. Today I can eat my favorite Lay's barbecue potato chips in the middle of the week and not feel shame or guilt. I don't need cheat days. I eat with discipline and flexibility with 80-20 in mind, and I owe it all to Jess. She is truly a godsend, and I am so blessed to have her in my corner. And so I hope and pray for you ladies and men listening that you will walk with Jess sooner rather than later. And I'll end by saying this. Hurry before they all find out about Jess and she gets too booked to take on any more clients. So run, don't walk. I'm super excited for you to experience the next steps for you to have a healthy relationship with food. Before we dive in today, I just want to let all of you know I have a new feature up on my website where you can ask me anything and be featured on the show. Head on over to jessbrownrd.com, click on podcast, scroll down, you'll see a big orange button that says start recording. Just click on that. Don't worry, you'll have a chance. You can re-record it if you don't like what it says, (laughs) and then it'll be sent to my inbox. I can feature you on the show, answer your questions. So yeah, stump me, send them to me. I want to know what you want to know and I can share it here on the show. Okay, let's get started on today's topic. Okay, friends, we are breaking down body dysmorphia and figuring out how to move beyond this. We don't want to stay stuck here. So let's start with what body image is. Now I've talked about this on several podcasts before, but just to recap, in case you're new here, body image is really the perception of your body. It's how you think, feel, and act towards your body. It's not how your body actually is. So it's a, there's a big difference there. And we can have positive body image. Like I'll never forget this one. I was getting my hair done one time and this one girl was like, dude, girl, I don't understand these girls that think they're fat all the time I look in the mirror and I see Beyonce <laughs> and I just was like I want to be you I want to be you when I grow up teach me your ways so we can have this positive body image or we have negative body image where we feel that our body's never good enough and this unfortunately is the type that dominates women today and it's actually creeping into the male realm as well which we're going to dive into a little bit more in future episodes And then we can have a neutral body image. So we might fall in the middle where we don't really have positive or negative feelings. And your goal might be to move to a positive body image or a neutral body image, kind of depending on your values. 
But bottom line, I think we all can agree on the fact that we went out of the negative body image realm. Now, the problem with body image is that when we perceive our body to be like fundamentally flawed, something is wrong with our body, it can turn into something called body dysmorphia. This is an official diagnosis and it is an obsession with appearance or perceived flaws. So it's the clinical diagnosis of negative body image that has been taken to the extreme. This is super common in females. I've got some stats for you guys. So around 50% of girls at age 13 are unhappy with their body. And this number grows to 80% by age 17. 80%. You're telling me, I just, this stat makes me sick to my stomach. Because I think of, you know, of my 10 girlfriends growing up, that means eight of us didn't like our bodies. And when I compare that stat to my 10 girlfriend group, that adds up. There were definitely 10 of us did not like our bodies. And actually, it was probably, oh, see, I said it, 10. I had a Freudian slip there. <laughs> All 10 of us, yeah. So that stat, even though it's high, I still wonder if it's underreported. Body image is ranked in the top four concerns for young women. And then looking at adults, this is a really scary statistic. Nearly 70% of adult women have reported withdrawing from activities due to poor body image. 70%. That means at some point, most of us have decided to not go do something awesome, not engage in life because we don't think we look good enough for it. And here's another one for you guys. In a study of more than 50,000 adult women, 60% thought they were too heavy and were self-conscious about their weight. 60%. 30 reported to being too uncomfortable in a swimsuit and 20% thought that they were just point blank unattractive. The really big bummer about this is those feelings stop us from engaging in life. Body dysmorphia has gone a bit further, and there's now an additional diagnosis called muscle dysmorphia. And I think we're seeing more of this now with the new wave of like strong is the new skinny. And now no one, now butt jobs are the new thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Side note, this totally reminds me of my grandpa. So I used to call my grandpa before he passed away. Grandpa Sam, rest in peace. I love you. But he passed away this past December. I would call him every single Friday and we'd have a little like grandpa, granddaughter chat. And I'll never forget one morning I called him. And for some reason, he was like telling me about what he read in the news. And he told me how like butts were the new thing. He's like, Jesse, now I don't know if you know this, but like padded underwear is in. And oh, I remember why he said it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so we were having this talk about him and he had recently started wearing diapers to bed because, you know, he was getting older and he's telling me about him and he goes, but you know what, Jesse, I actually think I'm pretty cool because I just read in the news that butts are in and having a big butt is in and there's such a thing as padded underwear. So really I'm just like with the times with my diaper. Oh, Grandpa Sam, I freaking love you. <laughs> but anyway, so there, we've got this whole wave of like obsession with like bigger muscles now, right? So muscle dysmorphia has come in and this is showing up a lot in males. So they've estimated that 25% of males suffer from muscle dysmorphia. So muscle dysmorphia is very much like body dysmorphia. It's hyperfixation on muscular insufficiency. So it's this chronic feeling that like I'm too small. I don't have enough muscles. And we're seeing this more and more in men. It's estimated that 25% of males feel that they are muscularly insufficient. And it's becoming more increasingly common. Okay, so we've got poor body image, which can lead to body dysmorphia and muscle dysmorphia. 
what are some of the signs and symptoms of this clinical diagnosis? So you might fall under this category, and I am not someone that diagnoses this. However, I think we can pick up on these signs and symptoms and see if we fall, you know, maybe under this umbrella. Signs and symptoms are going to be preoccupation with your perceived flaws. Now, I want to be clear, it's preoccupation. So you might notice something you don't like about your body, and and that's normal. I mean, we all have stuff we don't particularly love or prefer about your body. So I, I always share mine. Like, I don't love my nose, but I'm not staring at my nose every single time I look in the mirror. And that would be the difference. If you have body dysmorphia, you're going to be more preoccupied and obsessed with it. So if I if I did have that, I might be checking my nose like every time I look in the mirror or I might be checking it when I walk by a car window, making sure like, oh, shoot, it's still there. It's still <laughs> not the shape I wanted, which actually side note. I'm over my nose thing. I just use that as my example because that's like the one that's easy to talk about. But my husband said something that was incredibly helpful the other day. This was maybe like six months ago. And I'm over it. I love my nose now. I was telling him, I was like, you know, babe, my nose, yeah, it's just going to keep getting bigger. And I did that little like how you age app and my nose kept growing and I looked like a witch. And I don't want to look like a witch. So I might have to get a nose job when I'm, you know, 65. And he just looked at me and he was like, babe, you have your dad's nose. And I said, I know, my dad has a big nose. (laughs) Sorry, dad, you do. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, but can you imagine if our kids had some sort of characteristic from us that they didn't like and they had it surgically changed? I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, that would be terrible. He goes, yeah, you have your dad's nose. Your dad is a wonderful human. Just think of your dad when you look at your nose. (laughs) Problem solved. I love my nose now. And Yes, it might get bigger and more witch-like when I get older, but I'm cool with it now because I'm just going to think of my dad, who's a wonderful human. Okay, so sidebar. (laughs) Keep getting distracted with all these family stories. (laughs) Okay, so signs and symptoms of body dysmorphia. Preoccupation with perceived flaws. Strong belief that your, quote, flaw makes you ugly or that it stands out to others. In other words, you think other people are noticing this flaw that you hyperfixate on, when in reality, probably no one else notices. Having perfectionistic tendencies, engaging in behaviors to, quote, fix the perceived flaw that are difficult to control. It's one thing to say, oh, I want stronger legs. I'm going to do some more squats. But to be so obsessed with building stronger legs that you're doing squats every second of the day and like every single day of the week, and then you're deciding to do them like in the bathroom when nobody's looking and then you don't want to wear leggings because you're so afraid of how people are going to perceive what your legs look like. I mean, that's a hyper fixation on your legs and that's going to be crossing more into the realm of body dysmorphia. And the worst part about it is like, let's say you were doing squats and your legs were getting stronger and more chiseled. If you have body dysmorphia, you don't notice the difference because you perceive your body to be a certain way that even if you were starting to show like quote improvements, I put them in quotes because it's like all relative, right? (laughs) You wouldn't notice because your perception of your body is negative. You can't fix poor body image or body dysmorphia with physical changes with your body. It has to be changed in the mind. Other signs and symptoms are going to be constantly comparing your body to others, to social media, to what you see around yourself, to former you or pre-baby you or pre-working you or high school you. And then avoiding social situations because you're so embarrassed about how your body looks. So for obvious reasons, this is not a good place to be. Like the girl I was telling you about at the beginning, it really limits our ability to do some of the awesome things we want to do in life because we're so 
concerned about how we're looking in the world. Staying stuck in body dysmorphia or muscle dysmorphia prevents us from, it does a few things. It prevents us from having real human connection. And the reason it does this is because it keeps us stuck in something called self-objectification. This is a really cool theory that psychologists often discuss, which is this hyperfixation on myself. So I'm more focused on how I look moving around in the world than I am actually moving around in the world. So it's literally like I walk around holding almost this imaginary mirror. And instead of engaging in human connection and social interaction and the tasks at hand, I'm more focused on like looking at this imaginary mirror I'm carrying around wondering how do I look while I'm doing all of these things. There's also increased risk of disordered eating and excessive spending and unhealthy exercise in people who suffer from body dysmorphia. And then the worst part is that people who fall in these categories are increased risk for depression, anxiety, and suicide. And this makes sense because our body is what we live in. It's what we carry with us everywhere we go. If we are If we perceive our body to be bad, poor, unaccepted, yeah, we're going to not feel good about it. And we're going to be anxious. We're going to be depressed. And God forbid, but there's a higher chance of us not feeling like we are worthy of holding space in this world. And I can't stand for that. We are not here for that. We live in our body. It is imperative that we feel comfortable and we get acquainted with it. It is our values vessel. It is what we walk around and engage in this world in. And if y'all are listening to this podcast, I know that you want to be comfortable with your body so that you can have that quality human interaction. You can be focused on the task at hand. You don't carry anxiety and depression in relation to your body, and you're not worried about engaging in disordered eating or excessive exercise because you feel comfortable in who you are and your body. Guys, if you haven't listened to my episode on the body image spectrum with Bryn Anthony, you are definitely going to want to go check that out. I don't remember what episode number it was, but it's called Body Image. It's entitled... Where do you fall on the body image spectrum? So definitely a good one in terms of like the range of ways we feel about our body and how to move along that. But today we are going to talk about some basics on how to break free of body dysmorphia and negative body image. So I've got three tips for you guys today. Number one, acknowledge and diffuse the thoughts. I call it the body bully. We have body bullying thoughts in our heads and they come from so many different places. From family members, it might be something a boy said to you in sixth grade about your boobs and then it followed you for the rest of your life. I don't know who I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about me. (laughs) I was that girl and it followed me for forever. And I've heard, you know, cellulite's a big one. One of my good friends said she didn't wear shorts for 15 years because a boy told her she had too much cellulite in high school, in high school. And that carried well on through her 20s into her early 30s. So we have these body bullying thoughts. And the first thing we can do is acknowledge them and acknowledge them when they come in and then diffuse them. So here's the narrative. Let's say you're getting dressed and let's take the shorts example. So you're getting dressed, you put on the shorts, you turn around, you see the cellulite, which by the way, all women have just side note. Also, cellulite wasn't even a thing until Vogue invented it in the 1960s. They're the ones that deemed it bad. And then from there, the medical community started talking about cellulite and the health industry and the wellness. It all started with Vogue back in 1960. 
Um, so, okay, back to the example. So you put on shorts, you turn around, you see your cellulite, and you think, oh, my legs are so fat. So instead of just letting that thought sit there, we're going to acknowledge it and we're going to say, okay, thanks, mind. I received the thought. And then we're going to diffuse it. Instead of saying, I am so fat in our heads, we're going to say, I am having the thought that I am so fat. I am having the thought that I have too much cellulite. So we're separating it. We're keeping some distance from the thought and we're, we're making it so it's not an, a fact. It's not something we just accept. Now, this is where I get a bit of pushback. Sometimes women are like, yeah, but Jess, I am fat or I do have too much cellulite. It's like, okay, I'm not here to argue whether or not that's true. But what I do know is you having that thought doesn't actually help you. Like it's not a thought that makes you think, oh, well, sweet, I have too much cellulite. So I'm going to go ahead and start eating healthier and exercising more and take care of my body because I love it. No, it makes you look at yourself and go, ugh, I'm so disgusting. I'm going to cover this up. Now I feel bad about myself. And research shows us that when we're in this space, we are more likely to binge eat and not exercise. So regardless of whether or not the thought is true, we need to create space from it and come to a space of observation where we can diffuse the thought instead of accepting it as absolute truth. So acknowledge it. Thanks, mind. I've received this thought and then diffuse it. I'm having the thought that I have too much cellulite. So from here, once we acknowledge and diffuse, number two, we're going to adopt a posture of gratitude. Every time I say this to someone who's suffering from body image, they like roll their eyes. <laughs> They're like, ugh, I don't want to be grateful for my body. I just want less cellulite. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But again, staying hyper fixated on your perceived flaw doesn't do you any good. So let's try the gratitude pants on for a change and see what happens. I just did this with a client. One of my exercises in getting to this place of gratitude or this posture of gratitude is to write a thank you letter to God for your body. And she was kind of like, this sounds kind of hokey. And she, she actually didn't do it for a couple of weeks, but I just met with her this week. And she told me, she was like, that was way more powerful than I thought it would be. She realized that there was much more to be grateful for when it came to her body than she had originally acknowledged and taking the time to actually write it out surprised her. And all of a sudden, instead of looking at her body as not skinny enough, maybe her stomach wasn't quite flat enough, her arms weren't chiseled enough, I mean, whatever, right? Like all the not enoughs. She was in this place of like, well, it allows, my body allows me to play with my son. I'm super grateful to have two legs because I can run on the beach. Like not everybody has that. I'm very grateful that my lungs work because it allows me to actually play and get up and down, especially in the middle of the pandemic where so many people don't have lungs that are working right now, or even those who have recovered and still are struggling with breathing. I'm grateful to have my health so that I am able to like get down on the floor and get back up again and move around. Like these things that I've taken for granted are not something that everybody has. So it allowed her to be in this new posture of gratitude. And then number three, we're going to rewrite the narrative based on your values. So let's go back to the example of the girl putting on her shorts. So when she pulls on her shorts, she's acknowledged the thought I have too much cellulite and I feel fat. She's diffused it by saying, I'm having the thought that I have too much cellulite and that I'm too fat. She's done the work of adopting this posture of gratitude. So now instead of looking at her legs and only seeing cellulite, she can look at them and see, I have two legs and 
These legs allow me to walk my dog, play with my kids, go to the gym, walk to work, wear high heels. I mean, all of those things that we just do every day, we're now in this place of gratitude. Number three and the final step is to rewrite that narrative and find new thoughts to replace those body bullying thoughts. So now when looking at cellulite, you might still have the thought, I have too much cellulite. But instead of staying there, we can go to a new thought like, I'm grateful my knees are still holding up after all that I've put them through and all the miles that they have run. I'm grateful my ankles work after playing soccer for so many years and twisting it so many times. (laughs) That's me. I did that. (laughs) But I'm grateful they still work after I abused them for so long. I'm grateful for a strong core that allows me to stand up straight. I mean, there there's so many different ways we can be grateful for our bodies that have cellulite. So we change what we focus on. When we do these kinds of things, we will probably have to draw some boundaries because these body bullying thoughts can be re-triggered by lots of different things, by family members, by social media. Oh, social media, like that still gets me. Is anyone else like that? It's they're they've done research that As little as seven seconds of scrolling can impact your body image and how you feel about yourself. Seven seconds. I've tested this. I have found it to be true. (laughs) So I just have to like stay off. And I think I told you guys the example a while back of uh, one of the clients I was working with who like woke up, had great body image all day. And then she said by one o'clock she felt terrible. So we might have to draw some boundaries and unfollowing people on social media that trigger us. A lot of my clients get triggered by before and after pictures of people that are selling weight loss. It's like, okay, I got to not follow people that are posting before and after because their before is my after, (laughs) is my hope. And so I need to get away from that. We might need to take some space from certain people that are hyper fixated on body image. We might need to or use our voice and let them know that them talking about their flaws in front of us makes us second guess ourselves. And that one can be tricky. So drawing boundaries where we need to draw them. And then when we are triggered, as these thoughts come in, filtering them. Is this a helpful thought or is it not helpful? Because it's helpful. If it's helpful, maybe I can do something about it. And if it's not helpful, I need to go through this process of acknowledging, diffusing, gratitude, and rewriting the narrative. Okay, gorgeous girls. Yes, I am talking to you. I don't care if you're on day three of no washed hair and dry shampoo. (laughs) Guilty over here. (laughs) I am talking to you. You are gorgeous because of your heart, because of what you do in this world, because of the love you spread. Yes, our culture has certain physical attributes that they hold to be more beautiful. And if you have some of those, great. I hope you enjoy that and you, you embrace that and you feel beautiful in that. If you don't, or you feel like you will never live up to that, I want you to know that you might have an altered perception of yourself. And how you work on that has nothing to do with changing your body or your physique and everything to do with rewriting the narrative in your head. If you guys want some more help with that, I've got some awesome resources for you guys. I do have an ebook, Beat Body Bullying. It's on my website. Check it out. Or if you want to dive all the way in, that Food Foundations e-course is for you. I actually have the e-book in the e-course for free, so you get both if you do the e-course. Um, but either way, I've got those resources for you guys on my website, jessbrownrd.com. Check it out. 
And if you girls are loving the show, I would so appreciate a review. Head on over to iTunes and just click on the show. There's a place you can leave a review. It's where all the stars are. The other day, my best friend was like, I haven't left you a review because I don't know how. <laughs> so if you're like her, just head on over to the show. There's a place where all the reviews are. You just click on leave a review. It takes 30 seconds and I would be so grateful for it. Thank you. So happy you guys are here today. I hope you feel gorgeous today and I hope you make the women around you feel gorgeous because every single one of us, we need to hear it. So spread the love today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Cheers and happy eating gorgeous. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope it strengthened your food journey and empowered you to live boldly in your body. Real quick, sister, before you go, if you liked today's episode, the best way you can thank me is head on over to iTunes, Fuel Her Awesome Podcast, leave a review and subscribe. Then take a screenshot and share it on your social media. Don't forget to tag me at JessBrownRD. And if you're looking for more resources, be sure to check out my website, JessBrownRD.com. I've got info on my e-course, Fuel Her Awesome Food Foundations, my 10-step ebook on how to beat body bullying, and so much more. I cannot wait to chat with you babes again. Until next time, cheers and happy eating.